Hello and welcome to Dream Life Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their dream life best fit role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them, and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. Hi everyone, I'm delighted to have Sam Sutherland back on this podcast. She is a talented woman. She's a workshop facilitator and podcaster wanting to make the workplace more human and empower women and more equality in the workplace through a variety of projects, which you will hear more of in today's episode. I have interviewed Sam twice before. The first episode was on one of her superpowers, which was around negotiating in the workplace and how that all began. The second episode was about how she was asked to do some negotiation coaching for one of my clients and how when we reviewed her why and her strengths, actually, it might have been a great fit. Today, I really want to share more about Sam's experiments with podcasting and also what she's up to now because it's been a fascinating journey. So Sam, I'd love for you to share your story around the podcast journey with with everyone listening in. Hello. I'm so happy to be here again. So yes, my podcasting journey. Well, initially, because of my strengths, so my top, my Gallup strengths are communication, winning others over, command, which is like leadership, and I can't remember the other two. But anyway, when they combined into what did those five mean, you were like, you should be speaking. You should be speaking on stage. And I was like, I'm not averse to the idea of speaking on stage, but how do you get to do that? And then you suggested I start the podcast. And I think at the time I was like, I can't do a podcast. What would I do it about? Who would I talk to? How would that possibly work? And you said, okay, well, let's return to the mini experiment method and just get a friend and sit at your dining room table and do a pretend podcast episode and just ask the questions. Because I'm a bit impatient, I thought, well, I might as well just record the podcast if I'm going to speak to my friend. And so I then went and tried to figure out the lowest barrier to entry for doing a podcast interview with somebody that I actually could record and put online if I decided to. And that seemed to be online. So I used Zoom and I just, that's really easy to hook up with a friend. And so I just arranged it and I arranged it with a friend of mine who works at a big corporate and she works as an in-house lawyer and has two kids. And I've known her since I was at school. And so I knew that it would be an easy conversation to have and she's like a very friendly audience kind of person and and we just did it and before I started I was kind of like well I don't really know what I'm gonna ask I don't know how this is gonna go but I knew her well and I knew her story and there was things that we'd talked about over our friendship that she wanted to discuss around things like setting up boundaries at work and stuff then it just went so well. So I got off the call, air punching my fist in the sky going, that was amazing and I definitely want to do that again. And so then I started talking about it as a thing that I was actually doing and asking people for introductions and, and speaking to a few more people. And so I then launched with three episodes and they were all really interesting conversations with people who I was, was introduced to to do the podcast. Can you also share, if I remember correctly, you did have that moment, like most people do, around who am I to do this and what am I going to talk about? 
And you knew that by that point, you knew that it matched your strengths and you knew that your why was around empowering women in the workplace, creating more equality, figuring out what these struggles were with the juggle of work and how to overcome them. But I rem- if I remember correctly, there's still a bit of who am I to do this and what would I talk about? It definitely was. I was like, I'm not a journalist. How do I, what, what am I even going to ask her? How am I going to make it interesting? I don't know what to say. Like, I'm just recording me having a conversation with a friend who's actually going to want to listen to that. For sure, I had that. And was it through the mini experiments that you overcame those questions or was there some other mental shift for you? It was just doing it. And then Mm. when I did it, I thought, oh, I'm quite, um, when you look at the VIA strengths, which is a different strengths test, one of my top ones is curiosity. So I actually was curious to ask her these questions. And I do think we don't have a simple answer to how do you manage being a parent and looking after children? And, you know, particularly in Australia, we have this really strong male breadwinner model, which means that the bulk of the domestic load falls on women. And we don't know, we don't have a solution to that. Like the solution is a massive cultural shift. And so I do have questions for people around how they feel about it and do they feel resentful like I have felt resentful and how does their workplace support them? And also what would they like to see? Like I don't think policymakers necessarily are in the best position to come up with a solution to this kind of stuff. You need to speak to people and say, well, what's working in your life and what isn't? And so that natural curiosity came out when I started getting into the conversation because also it's an opportunity to ask just to ask people lots of questions and you know winning others over and that connection and and communication with people are some of my strengths as well and so I like to find out interesting things about people and see where the conversation goes Oh my so God, I, actually, I love that one so much. And I just want to jump in for a second to say, can, I, I'm pretty sure you can all hear her enthusiasm doing something which is actually new to her, but because it fuels her strengths, there's this feedback loop. That's what I'm hearing, this positive feedback loop. Oh my God, I love this. Yeah, there definitely was. And then I, I did an interview with a woman that I got introduced to. And on that podcast episode, she told me about her trauma of childhood sexual assault that she hadn't talked about publicly before. And she, at the end, was like, that was actually really cathartic. Like, thank you for giving me the space to talk about that. While I, of course, was saying, thank you for sharing that story with me. Mm. And I never could have anticipated that that's where that conversation might go. I just kept asking questions to see why she lived the way she did and why she listened to Brene Brown and why she cared about showing up in the world the way she does. So I, yeah, had this... You know, for me, it definitely the curiosity thing was good, but I had this really amazing connection with her because of that conversation as well. Absolutely. And to think that your interviewees are thanking you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? While I was doing it the whole time, it's not like I did one and then I was like, oh, all the doubt is gone. I, I still was thinking a bit, where is this going to lead? Like, what am I doing this for? I don't really know even if it's going to go anywhere. But I did have this underlying belief that was, I don't know where it's going to go, but I do feel like this is going to go somewhere, was how it felt. And then I got an invitation to an event that Tracy Spicer was speaking at. So if anyone doesn't know who that is, she's the ex-newsreader who was on Channel 9 and maybe Channel 7 or 10 as well. And she broke the Don Burke story and then Australian Me Too stories. So I got this event, uh, invitation to an event that she was speaking at. And I, I didn't even at that stage, oh, this was before I had the podcast. But I, I thought to myself, I, I, I want to meet her. I don't know why I want to meet her yet, but I'm going to go and meet her. 
And so I went to the event and then I made sure that during the Q&A that I stood up and so I had the microphone and I got to ask her a question, have a conversation with her. And then I waited until the very end of the book signing. So I was the last person in line. And so I went up and I said hi and I chatted to her a little bit more. And then when I had started the podcast, I decided to ask her to be on it. And I'd met her and I was like, well, that's obviously why, why I met her. And so I, I just Facebook messaged her and I just said, hello, I met you at this event. Here's a picture of me asking a question so you can put a face with this message. I've decided to start a podcast and I would love for you to be on it. And she agreed, which is actually a really lovely supportive thing for someone like that to do because she's a busy woman and it took us quite a few months to book it in. But she just wanted to do that to support me. Mm-hmm. And I actually was at another event about six months ago or something and she was the MC and host. And so I went and found her and said, hi, like you probably don't remember me, but you did a podcast interview with me and now my podcast is at 70,000 downloads. So thank you for helping me get that started. Because of course, anytime you have one person who's well-known, it gives you credibility to get other people who are well-known. And so since Tracy Spicer, I've had Jamila Rizvi, who wrote Not Just Lucky and is the chief editor or editor at large of Future Women. And I've had Catherine Fox, who wrote Stop Fixing Women and The Seven Myths of Women in the Workplace. And I've had Kirsten Ferguson, who wrote a book called Womankind after she did a year-long Twitter movement, really, around celebrating women. And so as I have more and more, then more and more women are willing to be on it who have some kind of profile because it's got credible as well now. It's so brilliant to hear. You always come across so confidently to people, Sam. So I do want to ask you this question. Is my memory right? When you were inviting people initially, there was nervousness around it. Oh, for sure. I was nervous inviting Tracy Spicer on. I think it's kind of helpful that we can cheat a little bit and do it behind a screen now. And so I could just reach out and be like, hello, would you please be on my podcast without having to present to her as confident in real life, which I might not have necessarily been able to do. I was nervous at the start of that interview too. You can actually hear it in my voice when you listen to the episode that I'm like a little bit stumbling, but I had done my research. So I read her book called The Good Girl Strip Bear, I think is what it's called. And so I'd read it and written tons of notes. And so I had questions to ask her and I had questions from the thing that I saw her speak at. And so I didn't go in unprepared. And you can hear it, like she was just a consummate professional. And there was a couple of times where I was a bit like, and then she just jumped in and, and really helped me out. And so then your confidence increases over time. I had the same thing when I invited Catherine Fox on. And so, again, I like read all her books before I interviewed her and I had a lot of notes written down. And I had, but I also had real questions about it because I don't 100% agree with her take on things. And so I did want to discuss it with her. I didn't feel like I went in with no ideas of my own. But at the beginning, you know, I usually have a bit of a chat for five minutes before I start recording to say hi. And, and if it's someone who hasn't done a lot of podcast interviews to help them be just calm down and feel relaxed and stuff. And I said to her before I started the recording, I normally do this to help the guest relax, but I think today it's for me. <laughs> uh, but what, you know, what I found is that everybody who I've invited on is so supportive of trying to help other women advance that they're happy to they're just they're helpful in in the way that they do the interview with that's powerful isn't it and I still get nervous now I actually I don't get nervous asking high profile people to come on up now because I just think well almost everyone said yes and if they say no well, maybe they will another time so I don't worry about that now I do get nervous about asking questions that are like good enough 
So mm-hmm. you know, Catherine Fox is like a thought leader in this area and she has been for two decades or more. So I didn't want to come across as just someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about, is just doing a bit of a lark kind of thing. Like I wanted to be able to also hold my own in a conversation with her and bring something meaningful to the conversation, not just things that have already been all said and written and, and done before. Um, so I do feel nervous about that still. And I find that I do more preparation to help me with that, more reading, more preparing questions. Fantastic. And can you share a bit about how by interviewing people in this area developed your strengths and understanding and what that led to? Yeah, for sure. So it has absolutely clarified that I really care about empowering women in the workplace and also empowering women outside of the workplace you know like I said earlier the Australian model means that women do the bulk of the domestic load and I actually did one I'm planning to do more but have only done one so far of a kind of focus group with a group of working mothers about what they are actually concerned about and what does what they do find hard and what they need support with or would like support with and overwhelmingly it's not just about advancing at work it's about how do you do that on top of everything else that you're trying to do? And that's a different issue because it's not just is the workplace open opening up for women, it's do women want those roles given the fact that outside work life isn't fully equal yet either. And so like I said before, you know, I, I always had this thing of I didn't know where it was going to lead but I did know it was going to lead somewhere. And so while I was doing the podcast, another thing that I was doing was talking to everybody I know, which is something that you suggested as well, which is just having conversations to find out. Really, I was just talking to people to say, well, what do you do? And do you like it? And why do you like it? And do you think I might like it? And are there any opportunities in that area? And talked and talked to lots of people. And every time I spoke to somebody, I asked them if there was someone else that I could speak to that they could introduce me to. And then I kind of announced to a friend of mine, I know what I want to do. I've decided I want to do diversity consulting. And he said, I know someone who owns a diversity consultancy. (laughs) (laughs) And so I contacted them and they were hiring. And so they said, put in an application. But of course, I didn't just put in an application. I took one of the women out for coffee. Well, I asked if we could have a coffee first and discuss what they do and how they do it. And, And because I think I kind of present well in person in that kind of scenario, I didn't want to just be a piece of paper coming through. I wanted to be a person. But at that stage, I could say, I have a podcast about women at work. I've interviewed Tracy Spicer. I get 5,000 downloads an episode. You can listen to it here. And they get, got a flavor for me and the fact that I am actually really passionate about the whole industry. And in the end, I got a job with that company. Then I decided it was time to leave that company, but was still doing my podcast. And I had done a podcast interview with a woman who runs a startup called Work 180 and it's a jobs platform to try and empower women to get jobs that they are happy with, that have flexibility, that have opportunities for for women that are equal to those that are available to men. And so I interviewed her about this platform and then then she, at the end, we were just chatting and she said, she asked what I was up to and I said that I I was looking for a new job and she said, I'll help you, you know, jump, jump on our website, have a look. If you, there's any companies you want to be introduced to, I'll introduce you to them. And then about two How weeks, brilliant is that? I Let's just her. celebrate that for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And then about two weeks later, she rang. She said, I have an idea. Why don't you come and work for us? 
And so she got me to go and work for them and start a podcast for them, which is called Equality Talk. So that's launched on, on iTunes now. And, you know, twice now the podcast has essentially got me two jobs, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. <laughs> it, it is amazing, but it also makes sense. You know, this is the whole thing about if you work in your zone of genius, then opportunities will either come your way or you'll get clear on what you're wanting to do. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Both of those things have happened. Like I've got clear on what it is that I want to do and opportunities are coming. And so I still, the podcast has been on a little bit of a pause lately because I've been very busy with other work stuff, but it still is always something where I know that value comes from doing that and I want to keep doing that and keep interviewing people and see where else it might lead to. And what kind of feedback do you get about it as well? I mean, I get great feedback. People, you know what? Actually, one of the one of the most um, positive feedback things I got was one of my friends has worked for years um, in radio and has a lot of knows a lot of journalists and stuff. And she she called me after the Tracy Spicer episode and said, "You did a really good job there." And she said, "I know a lot of journalists who wouldn't have been able to do as good a job as you did with asking those questions and getting the conversation going well." And I found that that was just felt really positive, you know. It just felt, I was like, oh, I felt very validated in my attempts to learn how to ask better questions and practice that and to try and keep it from just being a same old, same old interview. And it was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm managing to do it. Keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you think having a background in workshop facilitation and your communication and strength has helped with that, as in you're able to synthesise information and potentially reflect something back as well? Yeah, I do think that that is helpful, actually, because I find it in my coaching as well that I am quite good at listening to somebody talk for 10 minutes and then saying, okay, what I'm hearing are these four things. Is that correct? And, you know, when someone can do that, I've had people do it to me too before, and you can kind of go, oh yeah okay I've been heard and now we know what we're working on and so I think the same thing probably does happen with when I'm interviewing people where I I do I take a lot of notes when I'm interviewing and so they're talking and I'm writing stuff down and circling follow-up questions and know that I'm going back to different things and I actually I interviewed for actually for a written story not for a podcast but I, I recently interviewed the Australian CEO of Uber um, I don't know if the title CEO but she's like the head of Australia for Uber and a couple of times in that interview, she said, oh, good question. I was like, thank Excellent. you. Thank you, I know. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> Obviously, my interview is very friendly and it's, I want them to feel comfortable and I want, it, I, I want it to be a positive experience and it's like it's not meant to be hostile. But at the same time, I don't shy away from asking kind of difficult and controversial questions. You know, so with this woman, I asked her, well, what about the controversy at Uber around their culture? Because she was talking about trying to create a culture. And I said, well, what about the culture that has we've seen in the news and in the papers? And what do you think about that? And how do you not have that? And how have you changed that and been a part of changing that? Which is, I didn't, I, to be honest, I felt nervous asking that question because I didn't know how she might respond. But luckily she said, good question. <laughs> <laughs> With a positive mindset, it's actually an opportunity for her, isn't it, to actually be able to refute or explain what she's done about the controversy. I mean, it's actually a great opportunity for her, but it's interesting, isn't it? I would, I would feel a bit nervous asking that question too, but I'm so glad you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does make sense that, like, of course, it's a, pos- a chance for her to put a positive spin on it and talk about what's been done to address it. But there, there's been more than just that one time where I've asked a question and been like, 
how do you feel about me asking this question as I say it? But because I think as well, I'm not, I'm obviously I'm not aggressive in asking. I'm just like, oh, that's mm. interesting. What do you think about this thing? And I've never had anybody say, I don't want to talk about that or how dare you ask me that. Usually it actually becomes a really interesting part of the conversation. It's so brilliant to hear about the ripple effect of this podcast where some of the initial thoughts were, who am I to do this? And I love, honestly, it was such an amusing and yet really exciting moment when I read Sam's strengths report. And I just said, oh my gosh, I, this is what Oprah's looks like. I'm sure of it. And so really with Sam's winning others over communication, command, presence, having that presence, competition, um, she certainly likes to achieve and, and drive herself and activate her, which is about influencing herself and others to get things done. With these amazing strengths, I'd love for you to share with others what else you're working on to play to these strengths in addition to the podcast. Yeah, cool. Well, so when I left my job at the Diversity Consultancy, I decided to go out on my own. And so I'm doing a little bit of work for Work 180, doing their podcast and a bit of writing for them. But all the rest of my work at the moment is various forms of workshop facilitation. And so I kind of do that in three main ways. One is team building and strategic planning sessions. And so that's when you bring the whole team together and I help them talk about their why, why are they doing what they're doing, how are they working and what are they actually doing, what are their priorities, um, but also make it really fun and engaging and interactive and it's not just like a typical boring workshop where you're sitting down the whole time. It's like a lot of moving around and activities and stuff. I also do diversity style workshops. So that's teaching people about unconscious bias or psychological safety in the workplace or um, facilitating women's networks, that kind of work. And so that's really obviously in line with the podcast. But the skill of facilitation is the same, whatever the topic is. And then the third one is that I do facilitation on whatever topic they want. And so examples of that are in November, I was in the Cook Islands and I did a piece of work for the Cook Islands Ministry of Finance and Economic Management, running, de designing, developing, running a two-day or uh, one-day conference for 200 delegates on the economic development of the Cook Islands. Now, I obviously am not a specialist in Pacific Island economic development, but because of my strengths and this ability to synthesize things, I can get sent their content. Like they, they have to provide me with some information, but I can then read it and understand it enough to turn it into workshops that are meaningful and make sense. And so figure out, okay, well, where do we need information to be given to the delegates and where do we, how can we collect information from the delegates and how do we actually go about doing that? And, and then, of course, at the end of that, not of course, but at the end of that, I wrote a quite like a 60-page report with all the outputs. And again, my ability to synthesize information, even when I don't, I'm not a specialist in the topic, meant that I can create a meaningful report and talk about what the themes were and where things of what people have been talking about and what was coming up. And then I did another one of those ones as well on the Finkel Review into Energy Poverty in Australia. And so, again, it's not a topic that I know anything about, but I designed a full-day workshop with a whole bunch of stakeholders on various different topics. Now, they had to give me some information about the scope of work and stuff, but I can then design around that. And so all the facilitation stuff is really, you know, it's standing up in front of the room and talking, but also engaging people. Like, it's not, it's two-way communication. And the winning others over one is important because I want people to be engaged and to be active in the workshop and to be telling their ideas and, you know, it's not meaningful if they're not doing that. And so, you know, that works actually really well as well. And then activator is that I get stuff done. And so 
one, it means that I can prepare the workshop ahead of time. I can make it all work and I can work to timelines and stuff. But also I, I want everybody in the room, even before I started working with myself, I used to say that the most satisfying bits of my career were periods where I was working on projects, trying to get a whole lot of different people moving in the same direction. And I find that really satisfying. We have this you know, big cross-disciplinary team trying to achieve a common goal. And really workshop facilitation is kind of like that too. Like they don't have to agree, obviously, but you want everyone in the team and in the room trying to create a room that has energy and, get, and is innovative and comes up with good outcomes for the team and good results. And so that, it really works like that too. And because it's not just, it's not just speaking, it's not presenting, it really is connecting with the people in the room and reading the room and seeing like if people get it or don't get it. So I had an, in the energy poverty workshop, we did the, the guy who hired me, he used the word energy inequity instead of energy poverty. And they don't, they haven't really used that word before. And in his, his mind, he was saying, well, that's because I want people to think beyond their existing definition. And I want them to think about more broadly. But then, of course, everyone did the first activity and they were like, we don't know what that is. So we need to have a definition of this. And, and then there was a bit of a revolt in the room and there was a whole lot of people say, well, we, we want to have a session on what the definition of it is. And he tried initially to say, we can't, like we've got a packed workshop. And then I was kind of like, I think we have to because half the room is very vocally saying they want to do that. So I had to quickly come up with how we would do that. So there was an individual component and then a small group component and then a whole room component. So I was facilitating a conversation with 35 people and trying to come up with a definition that everybody was happy with. And what I found is because I've done that type of activity before where you're trying to come up with a definition or with um, a team mission statement, that kind of thing. And it starts out and you get all these kind of grumpy looks and people are like, oh, this doesn't even mean anything anyway, like whatever, we don't agree we're never going to get agreement someone's just going to tell us what it is and I just keep going and keep going and then there's a moment when the whole room goes yeah yeah I think that's yeah that's probably right yeah cool and you have to create the space for there to be back and forth and disagreement and discussion and then you can get to the agreement it definitely doesn't work if you just try and say this is what our mission is um and it was just so satisfying like a really satisfying feeling of managing the room and managing the conversation and making sure people felt heard but also making sure we didn't spend three hours on this conversation and yeah and and then also you know not really knowing about the topic like I can't provide any definition and so when I was trying to synthesize things into sentences that made sense I was really having to do that on topics that I had no opinion or really prior knowledge on and so, yeah, I've been like loving that work as well. And also there's a lot of variety in that because they're providing whatever content they like to me to make that happen. It sounds like a huge amount of variety and but yet using your strengths and feeling fueled by that and energised by that. It's such a fantastic um, story and I know there's more to your story to come. Thank you so much for sharing. How, how can I talk from a stage when I'm actually parenting and working and don't have much time? So we came up with the podcast together, didn't we? And then going from the imposter syndrome with the podcast to actually it being part of not only something you've now been identified as being good at, but you've been asked and been paid to do another one for another company, but then it's led to other work opportunities as well. Sam, thanks so much for sharing a big section of your journey so far today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I can't wait for the next installment. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's going to keep going, isn't it? <laughs>
Thanks everyone for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more stories like this one, please subscribe and spread the word. Till next time.